Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law, and Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host of Real Ghost Chatter. Today, our guest is Mark Spencer. Mark is the Dean of Schools of Arts and Humanities at the University of Arkansas at Monticello. He and his family live in the famously haunted Allen House in Monticello, Arkansas. His book, A Haunted Love Story, The Ghosts of Allen House, led to the episodes of the TV shows, A Haunting, Paranormal Witness, My Ghost Story, Ghost Brothers, and Ghost Hunters. Mark is also the author of the novels An Untimely Frost, Ghost Walking, The Masked Demon, The Weary Motel, Love and Reruns in Adams County. He also has short fiction collections, Wedlock and Trespassers. And if that weren't enough, he also has written a history book, Images of America, Monticello. Mark's work has received the Faulkner Award and the Omaha Prize for the novels, the Bradshaw Book Award, the St. Andrews Short Fiction Award, and four special mentions in Pushcart Prize Best of the Small Presses. More than 125 of his short works have appeared in a wide range of national and international journals. Mark, first, will you share with us where people can find your works for purchase? And welcome to the show, by the way. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, the books are available pretty much anywhere. Anybody can find the books on Amazon, Balls and Noble, Books A Million. Uh, they're also available on, the, on a lot of brick and mortar around the country. Okay. Do you have a website there available on also or not? No, I, I don't really sell them through a website. As I said, and anybody can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books A Million. And they are under Mark Spencer, correct? Yeah, they're, they're under Spencer. Yeah, I have other tradition of a haunted love story and I I knew that my publisher had sold the French language rights to the book mm-hmm. and one day I was on Barnes and Noble site and I came across this, this book um, written by Mark Spencer and it was apparently a French book about how cool some bigger name and I realized it was my book and- <laughs> so <laughs> so you didn't even know your book was in French is that correct <laughs> Right. Well, I, I 
looking at the title and, and before um, I started studying French on my own a couple of years ago and, and I and it took me a, a moment but I finally discerned that the title is a haunted love story the ghost of the Alamo. <laughs> that is really interesting. <laughs> I know you have written a whole lot of books but I know you also have had some paranormal experiences so I'm going to ask you what was your first paranormal experience? Well, my wife and I moved to Monticello, Arkansas in 2005, along with our children. I'd been offered the position of Dean of the School of Arts and Humanities at the university here. And the day we we came to, to town for my interview, we drove pretty much straight into town, took a left and took another left, and we found ourselves on North Main Street. And we were admiring all the big historical homes on the street and then we came to this house and I stopped the car in the middle of the road and my wife said if you buy me that house you can take the job here and it was the Allen house we didn't know it was called the Allen house at that time we just thought there was a, a beautiful kind of rundown um, Victoria mansion mm-hmm. and I, I pointed out to my wife that the house didn't appear to be for sale there wasn't a for sale sign or any other indication that it was for sale and she said, I don't care. Um, <laughs> you, you need to buy me that house. Um, as, as it turned out, I, I did accept the job, of course. And we moved to town. And we, we started telling people in the community that we really liked that, that old um, Victorian house on North Main Street. And people said, oh, well, that's, that's the Allen house. Yeah, you don't want to buy that house. And, and we'd say, well, why not? And, and, and inevitably, they would say, well, because it's haunted. And my wife and I would just laugh. We right. just thought that was funny as can be. You know, we moved through this quaint southern town, you know, where people have a haunted house. Um, <laughs> everybody believes that the Allen House is really haunted. And and I, I Googled Allen House, Monticello, Arkansas, one day shortly after we moved to town. And boy, all kinds of websites came up about the house, and of course they were all paranormal websites. And <laughs> and that was the beginning of my education in regard to the history of the house. Found out that there had been paranormal activity at the house since probably the mid-1950s, and, and um, learned about the suicide at the house in the late 1940s and all of that. But really, really didn't take any of it very seriously mm-hmm. <laughs> to tell you the truth. There's a, you know, a, a first paranormal experience. So my, my wife and I got into the habit of driving past the house frequently because we just really liked the house. And, and finally, since we are a small town, word got to the owner of the house, this rather eccentric lady, um, who called me at work one day and said, I understand you want to buy my house. And I said, well, uh, would you be interested in selling your house? And she's like, I might, if I like you. And, um, <laughs> and we made an appointment to, to visit with her. She said she was going to be out of town for a few weeks. But after she got back, she let us come over and, and take a look. And she determined whether she liked us. <laughs> and, and as I said, um, my wife and I and the kids got into the habit of driving by the house pretty quickly because we just loved stopping and looking at it. And a couple of nights before our appointment to see the inside of the house, we, we stopped by 
And one of the kids in the back seat said, look, there's a lady sitting in that window. And and we all looked at the um, second story window in the front of the house, uh, one of the second story windows. And indeed, we all saw a lady in the window. It appeared that she was maybe sitting in the window, maybe sitting at a, a little table or desk, uh, maybe reading a book or writing a letter. Huh. And and we all saw her. The kids were saying, you know, that, all that being Miss So-and-so, the lady who, who owns the house. And, and my wife and I saw a woman in the window. And my wife even said, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't be here like this. You know, it's kind of like we're stalking her or something. <laughs> And so we, we drove away, and then a couple of months later, my wife and I went to the house to, to meet the owner and to, to take a tour. And she was very gracious, and, and when she took us upstairs to the second floor, she opened the door to the master bedroom, which was at the front of the house, and it was full of furniture and boxes. And she apologized for not being able to step into the room. And I was looking around, and I realized that this was the room in which we saw the woman in. Wow. And I said to her, I said, well, we saw you in the window the other night. And she said, no, you didn't. <laughs> I said, well, we thought we saw somebody in the window the other night. And she uh, said, well, as you can see, you can't even get to that window <laughs> because of the furniture and the boxes. And I said, oh, okay. And, and I was ready to dismiss it. You know, it was just a, a family-wide, you know, um, hallucination. Family-wide hallucination. And that was when uh, the owner said to me, have people come been telling you that the happy on it? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, people have been saying that. You know, and I, you know, I was letting the owner know that I thought it was silly. And she said, well, it is. It's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> and then she proceeded to, to tell us about some of her experiences, about the, the ghost talking to her <laughs> when she first moved in. Oh, wow. And how... <laughs> She, she got some holy water from a preacher and, and sprinkled it around the house to get the ghost to stop talking to her. And I'm thinking, she was just no. Yeah, yeah but, right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I'm thinking, okay, I've got to be polite with this lady because, you know, I'm interested in buying a house. <laughs> well, as it turned out, she did like us well enough to sell us her house. And it took a couple of years to get into the house because every time we had a close, and she the closing eight times. Oh my gosh. She kept having to talk because she she liked the house so much and, and she, she was becoming ill just before the closing and she canceled but and we even ended up buying another historical home in, in town because we got tired of waiting. She she got scared that we weren't gonna follow through on the purchase of her house and, and then that motivated her to finally close on the house. So okay. so we did finally get and the day we moved in the Allen house, I was carrying some boxes to the side door. Her son, Jacob, who was five at the time, was standing by the side staircase, what we call serving staircase. He was just standing there, and, and, he, and he giggled. <laughs> you know, he seemed kind of stiff and pale. And I was carrying these three boxes, and you know, I'm juggling these, and I turn away from him. He's just standing there, I turn away from him and set the boxes down, getting situated. So how do you like your new house? And he doesn't answer me. And gone. He was just gone. And I just, okay, well, he just took care of me. So he just um, left? A little while later, I just left. He never, never did say anything to me. Huh. And then a while later, I, I was in the second floor and I went into the room that the kids 
um, we're gonna pick something for the toy room, and they already had a already had a TV set up, and and Dick was watching, I think, a Star Wars movie. And I asked him, you know, I said, well, why didn't you say anything when I asked you downstairs uh, about liking your new house? And he said, what are you talking about, Dad? And I said, well, you were standing by the staircase downstairs. I was carrying those boxes. and asked you whether you like your new house. And you didn't say anything. And uh, I haven't been downstairs for hours. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. And I said, oh, okay. Well, and then a couple of mornings later, Jacob and I were downstairs in the kitchen. We'd been down there for a good half hour, and my wife Rebecca came down to the kitchen, and she kind of stopped in the doorway and, and looked at Jacob and said, "Jacob, how did you get down here from that?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, he's been down here with me for a half hour," and she said, "No, I just saw him upstairs. He was in the hallway." I said, "No, he's been right next to me for <laughs> the last oh half gosh. hour." Oh my gosh! So and, there's a doppelganger in that house. It's a doppelganger. Yeah. And, and then later, after Jacob wasn't in the, in the room, she told me about an experience that she had had a day or two before when she was unpacking some boxes from the entrance of the house. She said she had seen Jacob go into the downstairs bathroom, and he never came out. Wow. <laughs> and finally, she became concerned into the bathroom, the door didn't get answered, um, and then opened the door, and it wasn't in there. And so she thought, well, he had slipped out of the bathroom, and she had her bathroom. And then she was later, and I was okay, because he seemed to spend an awful lot of time in the bathroom, and he said that he had not been in the bathroom downstairs. Oh my gosh. Uh, in fact, the words were, I don't go in that bathroom down the stairs, it's creepy. <laughs> And and so she couldn't figure out, well, why did she see him go in the bathroom that he claimed he never went into? <laughs> and that it was just too creepy to go into. And so, yeah, we uh, had, you know, a lot of experiences when we first moved into the house. And, and of course, uh, about a year later, when I finally gave in to my wife wanting to have paranormal medication, uh, because I was really kind of hesitant to do that, to tell you the truth. Like, well, you know, we're moving in, fixing the place up, making a home, do we really want to? We had a lot of paranormal investigators contact us right away as soon as we moved to town. They need to come to that house and investigate. And I just said, no, nah, involved in that. <laughs> right? Universal, I think I'm, I'm, I'm weird, you know? I'm right. Kind of reputation. <laughs> and, and <laughs> people don't expect their beans seems to be crazy. You know, yeah. I that. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how yeah. that was going to work. <laughs> yeah. After we in the house for about a year, we were contacted by a group called Louisiana Spirits. Uh, and they were a bunch of ghosts, the ghost hunting guys on TV. And they were mainly all about debunking hauntings. Right. They said that in 98% of their investigations, they found absolutely no evidence whatsoever of paranormal activity. Right. Um, and then about 2% of the cases find something they couldn't explain and maybe an indication of paranormal activity. But they seemed really down to earth and reasonable people and they talked to, you know, and about you know, using scientific methods to the degree possible and how they didn't put any value or objective experiences. And I thought, well, these three people, you know, would, you know, might be interesting having the house. 
So I've been in the house for about three weeks to come in. And the first time they came to my house to do an investigation, it didn't work out too well because Rebecca and I didn't know what the protocol was for having paranormal investigators in our house. <laughs> so we planned to leave for the evening. We were going to go to a movie and have dinner out. And so we had just left the house. We were a little bit down the street when Rebecca's phone rang and it was the lead investigator saying that there had been an explosion in the backyard and all the power had gone out. We drove back to the house and found that a big branch or a tree hanging over the power line had snapped and fallen on the power line. Now, really? This was a little odd because it was a, a hot June night. It wasn't raining. The wind wasn't blowing. The the branch was leafy and green, and it wasn't rotted or anything like a dead tree. And and the investigators, you know, were saying, "Well, yeah, we were we were just about to start the investigation." And in fact, the lead investigator was saying, "Like, so let's begin." And the wind <laughs> went crashed onto the power line and ripped oh, the window off the house. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I didn't think it was anything paranormal myself. I just thought it was, you know, a great coincidence. And uh -huh. I'm thinking, well, we have a story. You know, I'm a story storyteller, so we already have a story. <laughs> but not a paranormal one, just a great coincidence. You know, we're kind of paranormal overtones, maybe. Um, but then a couple of days, and the investigators, they, they, they couldn't do their investigation because they, they just had some battery-operated quarters, and they had a lot of things that they need to, you know, um, electrical grid of the house uh -huh. um and so they they ended up leaving and coming back about three weeks later to do their investigation but a couple of days after that first failed attempt to do an investigation the lead investigator emailed me a couple of files and he said we had a couple of battery operated audio recorders running and and i just want you to listen to these on the recording you can hear the investigators talking about the power just going out and when one of the investigators says well this is this is strange you know what happened and then you hear an investigator on the recording saying um i think a transformer blew," and then you hear another voice and it's not the voice of one of the investigators it's a woman's voice it's it's pitched at a different tone it's it's soft it's kind of um whispery and she says not a transformer and then she repeats herself not a transformer not a transformer <laughs> and the lead investigator said we don't know who this is <laughs> saying this and i thought well you know they're just mistaken <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, still in denial were you mark <laughs> yeah i was in denial and then <laughs> And then as I said, we came back about three weeks later and Rebecca said she wasn't leaving the house. She didn't want anything else broken. So we stayed at the house and we observed their investigation. And it was really fascinating watching them. You know, they had all these cameras set up and they had record, audio recorders all over. And, and they did um, EVP sessions uh, with their EMF meters. And, and it was all very interesting to, to sit in. And, um, and they were they got through their night. Nothing happened. <laughs> No, nothing got broken. Uh, they they had some personal experiences that they didn't want to put any stock in because they they always dismiss personal experiences. Yeah, they like do. Being, like they've been touched. Yeah. <laughs> like that. 
But then another three weeks went by and the lead investigator came back to the house for the reveal session. He sat in the dining room at the dining room table and he turned to me and he said, Mark, do you want to ask me what homeowners always want to ask? And I said, what's that? And he said, what they always want to ask is my house haunted? And I said, okay, is my house haunted? He's like, yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the one thing you wouldn't have wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he opened up his laptop and he proceeded to play for me and my wife over 40 EVPs. They had recorded over 40 EVPs. That is astounding. It, it, he said it was unprecedented. They said they never heard of <laughs> yeah. any, any investigation recording that many EVPs. And there were at least six different voices. Oh my. There was a woman's voice who dominated the EVPs. About 70, 75% of the EVPs were the, voice, were the same voice as this, this woman, an adult woman. And then there was also the voice of an older sounding woman, the voice of an older sounding man. There was also the voice of what sounded like a young man. And then there were at least a couple of children's voices. So there are at least six different voices that were distinguished among these EVPs. About 20 or a little more than 20 of the EVPs were what the investigators called Category A EVPs uh -huh. in that they were very clear, uh, very distinct. They, you know, you didn't have to turn up the, <laughs> the, um, the audio to hear them or anything. I mean, they were just that clear. Wow. Um, and they said that was pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, it's not like I, I don't, you know, I, I don't watch um, paranormal shows a whole lot on TV, but um, I, I, I've seen a few shows, and they are, in, you know, where they, where the investigators will record some, some EVP supposedly, <laughs> maybe really, but supposedly. Yeah, but you never know, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they have to put the words across the screen. Yes. And, and I, I remember this one show, I don't remember which show it was. They, they had recorded the sound that, it sounded to me like a cat meowing. Mm -hmm, <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And the investigators were saying, listen to that, it's a woman screaming. Oh, and, I've, done, I've heard that, I'm yes. I'm sitting at home in front of my TV, and I'm saying, no, that's a cat meowing. <laughs> <laughs> They want so, so bad to be so dramatic about it all. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, we but but we had all of these um, very distinct EVPs, and and after this, and I'm and I, I'm feeling feeling shivers on my spine. Oh, I would be. Because yeah, like, you live there. Yeah, and, and I even dumbly said at one point, "Oh, well, who are these people?" And he said, "They're ghosts." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then and and that. Was, I was getting pretty close to being convinced <laughs> that we were not alone at that point. But then it wasn't long after that. I uh, I came home from work one evening and I decided, well, I'm going to go out to the attic by myself. This $10 digital audio recorder, battery operated, and I'm going to have my own EVP session. And so I, I went up to the attic and I sat on an old couch that's up there. The couch has been there for over a hundred years. Wow. And and I asked Liddell Allen, she's the woman who committed suicide in the house. I said, Liddell, are you here? Um, and, I, and I asked her, and at one point I asked her, do you like it here? And, and I mean, this this whole session was no more than 10 minutes. And, when I, and I played back what I, whatever I might have recorded 
I, I decided, well, okay, I've been here 10 minutes, this is long enough. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I played back. And in response to my question about whether she liked it here at the house, she answered. It was very clear, very distinct. It was a grammatically complete sentence. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she said that I like it here. Yeah, and it was like she was sitting next to me on that couch. It was that distinct. It oh was my. like she had been sitting next to me. And, oh my. And I knew, I knew that I was in that attic by myself. There was not a woman with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and I knew that I had not faked that EVP. <laughs> you know, I, and that was the night that I became 100% convinced that we were not alone in our house. <laughs> so you have and, gone from non-believer to believer. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Zero to a hundred. <laughs> zero to that's what I was thinking. Zero to a hundred. <laughs> zero to a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh-huh. And of course, oh I was gonna say, and then subsequent to that, we, we let other investigators into the house. And all of these other investigative teams that came to the house over the next couple of years, they all recorded EVPs and had other kinds of experiences. And my wife and I came to recognize the voices. Because they, they always, you know, got these, you know, they recorded the same voices over and over again. And we realized that this one voice that dominated DVDs was Liddell Allen. And then there was her father, and there was her mother, and there was her son. And the ghost stories associated with the house going back in the 1950s had always claimed that the house was haunted by Liddell and her son. Alan Bonner, her her son, had died in 1944, and he was reputed to haunt the, the attic in particular because that was a special play area and study area growing up. Uh, we we have subsequently discovered that he he's all over the house. <laughs> but I mean, with each investigation, our understanding of the paranormal activity was reinforced and, and augmented. This is the end of episode one of Mark and his experiences at the Allen House in Monticello. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll have part two, which is even more interesting than part one, if you can imagine. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash M-A-R-Y dash A-N-N dash P-O-L-L. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.